Twitter at 1270 The Fan. Taking your calls at 270-1270. Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. When's the last time you read the New Testament, huh? Uh-oh. You're going to need a bigger boat. I like this guy, uh, Tim Graham. Welcome into the Tim Graham Show, August 7, 2019, Year of Our Lord edition. Sitting here with Chris Baker, at Sabres Prospects is where you can follow him on Twitter. You know what he likes to talk about? Sabres Prospects. Jonah Bronstein's here. He's at LeBronstein. You know what he likes to talk about? I guess that's supposed to say LeBron, but no, not really. It was just a play off his last name, Jonah Bronstein. But you will find him there talking about the local college hoop scene or just college sports in general. A lot of UB, Canisius, Niagara, St. Bonaventure. He knows a lot about LeBron, though. Of course he does. He's he's our resident basketball expert. Right. And then our local Patriots expert, <laughs> Bobby Rosati. I couldn't breathe. Vaping expert. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Our, for yeah, our, yeah. We tune in later for our vaping segment. <laughs> Bobby will give us uh, his latest on the Keep vaping everyone. scene. Yeah, the scene, right. Prickleberry. Yeah, we really should be sponsored by a vaping lounge. Right? You're absolutely right. Every time, you, I, every time I see spots come through, the, it's come through the line, I'm like, that should be on our show. But not uh, not a name. I'm not, they're not going to make any money from me. They can make money off the show. Yeah, the show they can. Yeah, that's a good point. That's actually a good idea. I want to start sponsoring the, uh, and we don't get a lot of calls, which is fine. We don't push for a lot of calls. We generally like to drive the conversation here Mm -hmm. and with our guests. But we do get guests by phone a lot. Maybe we could get a a vape joint to to sponsor the Tim Graham hotline, the Tim Graham vape line. Let me put some feelers out. Let me see. Can I have a vape off? Oh, yeah. Get lightheaded and pass out. What's a vape off? I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. We'll give Bobby we'll and Bobby and a contestant will vape for two hours, and whoever passes out first wins. It'll be like uh, uh, Kenneth Keith Callenbach, the old, uh, the, yes. the late Howard Stern whack packer who used to just assume that he could do things to get on the air, and he'd say, "Howard, I'm going to come in and I'm going to smoke cigarettes through my eyes," yeah, yeah. or like he was going to blow the smoke out of his eyes, and they're like, "How, how do you know you can do that?" And he's like, "I don't. I just want to be on the show, and I'm going to. I'll do it." <laughs> Oh, he'd eat glass or whatever the hell he'd do. Speaking of Howard Stern, I mean, as much as I love Howard Stern, I would love to see if we can find a way to enhance that clip because that might go on my tombstone if I'm ever buried. Oh, yeah. I'm probably going to be cremated. That's my wishes anyway. I don't know if my wishes will be followed when I die, and I really have no control over that. Let me know. Mm, I'll make sure. Thank you. (laughs) And yeah, Howard, if Howard Stern is going to say, I like this Tim Graham guy or whatever he says, what does he say? I like this Tim Graham. Yeah, I like, I like this, this Tim, Tim Graham. Graham I like this Tim. I mean, yeah. come on. You know what? That I, is a career highlight right there. Let me reach out to uh, Gary and their team because they, they'll send it our way, especially if they know it's the show. I'll do it. Okay. Let's do it. Reach out to Gary. Like you guys are in some producer's. He's got him in his Rolodex. I, I wish. But You're in like this producer's never be. Uh, cabal. Yeah. The producers' union has a directory. (laughs) Hey, you know what I learned today? I learned today that it is the, no, it's no milestone anniversary, but it's the anniversary, 27th anniversary 
of the Dominic Hasek trade. Oh. The Sabres send Stefan Beauregard, who they just obtained a couple of months earlier for Christian Rutu. Arutu. Beauregard never plays for the Sabres, gets shipped to Chicago for Dominic Hasek. Oh, it was a little it was a little less lopsided than that. The Sabres also sent to Chicago a fourth round draft pick that the Black you know, fourth round draft picks generally don't turn into anything. But the Blackhawks maximized their haul by turning that into Eric Daze, mm-hmm. a multi thirty goal score player. Never an all star, no real hardware. I went back and problems, that up. yeah. But he had a he had a four thirty goal seasons, he had thirty eight one year. A, a, a good player, very good player. Big butt. He used to stand in front of the net and had a good, good little nose for the net. But no way to stack up against five Vezinas, two Hart trophies. Oh my God! Two Stanley Cups, and a 2014 Hall of Fame induction for Hashik. Let's. What do we? What do we play in there, uh, just, Bobby? Just career highlights of the great, okay. the dominator. So many things about Hasek, too. And you, you can't say that he revolutionized the goaltending position because there's really no one else that plays like him. But, you know, like like <laughs> little things like dropping your stick and picking up the puck with your blocker. Yeah. And you see goalies do that now. He was the first to do that. Yeah. Big poke checks. You know? I mean, I mean, guys, we're doing that because of this, the equipment, but he was the one that He kept it going. And he right. kept the old school yep. poke check going. Um, that's pretty cool, though. I was thinking when you said the trade, it was the anniversary of the trade. And, of course, we haven't talked about this yet. But I was wondering, I'm like, was it the Chicago trade that brought Hashik to Buffalo? Or was it the they traded yeah. Hashik for, you know, Slava Kozlov oh. and I think a draft pick that never materialized? Yeah. You know, I, think, I actually have that written down here. So this is yeah. what happens. On July 1st, 2001, I was uh, young and on the beat and uh, trying to track some of this stuff down, it was tough to do uh, because everything was done in secrecy. A lot of meetings in Cowdersport, or at least very one very uh, crucial meeting in Cowdersport with the Reguses. And Dominic Hasek uh, goes down there, and we come to find out later that it is then that uh, he was letting the Sabres know that he was not coming back. Yep. That he was, uh, he wanted a trade, he wanted out, and then of course they find a dance tr- uh, partner with Detroit, but then Hashik uses his influence to say, "I don't want you giving up too much in Detroit because I want to go win a Stanley Cup. So if you're gonna get too much in return for me, that's gonna make me upset, and maybe I won't report. So to try to get something or whatever they could, the Sabers get Slava Kozlov, who was." Bitter when he showed up. And I mean, the guy didn't want to be here. It was an insult to him to be a throwaway because mm-hmm. of what I just said. Yep. Under he, he gets traded from a Stanley Cup contender to Buffalo, which was pretty good at the time. They were only two years removed from a Stanley Cup final. But to be considered a throwaway or to uh, um, uh, on the trash heap of, of Detroit, he was upset. And he eventually did come around and was red hot when he got his uh, calf slash Achilles torn by a skate, got got sliced, and that ended his season pretty much. And But anyway, Lindy Ruff had kind of coaxed him into coming out and was turning into a very productive player. Anyways, so let me give that trade again. July 1st, 2001, the Sabres trade uh, Hashik to Detroit for Slava Kozlov and Detroit's first-round pick. Now, not a lot of value there because you know that Detroit is going to at least go deep into the playoffs. It turns out. Uh, that they give Buffalo the 30th overall pick. So what Buffalo does is then trades up. They had the 30th pick. They trade up with Columbus, send that 30th overall pick, um, 
and the rights to Mike Pandolfo. Mm-hmm. I'd forgotten about him. Boston College? Yeah, and of course, people comparing him to Jay was a solid player at the time. Mike, of course, didn't have you know the same ability as his brother, but was a prospect at the time. So the Sabres send the rights to Mike Pandolfo in the 30th overall pick to move up 10 spots to draft. Do you remember? 01? Yep, 01, 20th overall pick for the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, I should know this. A serviceable player. He played on those 06, 07 teams. Yuri uh, Novotny. Big big impact in Rochester and then came up and was you know filled in for injury purposes and then eventually earned his way as as a grit player along with uh, Adam Mayer and Paul Gostad and, and yeah, those who, guys on the fourth who, who line. Who would have been there? Daniel Payet. Daniel oh. Payet. Okay, captain for Team Canada at the World Juniors. Goes Glove on to win Storm. a Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins. Yep, that makes sense. And yeah. uh, and it's there's no uh, buyer's remorse in this because with that 30th pick, Columbus uh, grabbed center Jim Slater, who only played 307, yeah. well, 370 NHL Thrashers. games at the 30th overall pick. Is yeah. I mean, he's a serviceable player. Yep. Uh, 47 goals, 53 assists for 100 career points over 371 games. So anyway, that wraps up. Pretty good trade for the Red Wings. Absolutely. <laughs> they end up with the Stanley Cup. Uh, Slava Kozlov, inconsequential uh, career uh, after his stop with the Red Wings. You know, the Sabres uh, salvage a Daniel Pae out of it. So your favorite Dominic Hasek moment, Chris Baker. Oh, man. I mean, I think that the game, uh, the duel that, you know, I think it was, what, four overtime game in the playoffs, the Devils, Dave Hannon, winner, that was Hashik and Brodeur. Um, you know, I thought it was a great game. I remember watching that thing from, you know, to finish. And, um, you know, one of the last really good hockey games that I watched with my father was that game. And that was, that's a great memory. For me now, I come from a background of goaltending, and that was the ultimate, you know, goaltender's duel, um, and still is to this day. Can you come okay. up with anything that comes remotely close? No, no. I think there was another, you know. Well, there's Mark Andre Fleury, and uh, <clears throat> just kidding. I know how much you like. Uh, I know how much you like Fleury. We have Bobby. We've had this discussion on the air, and uh, Chris and Jonah will attest that we've had this discussion at Elmo's like a hundred times. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Chris Baker is a huge flurry guy. Oh, and I know, you are, and, and so is Bobby. Of I, course, Bobby's a Vegas Knights guy, and for whatever reason, well, Penguins, Penguins. Well, but then like, you followed him to Vegas, yeah. kind of. You, yeah, you're you have right. an affinity for the Knights. You're right. I can't say I'm a huge flurry guy, but I have a lot of respect for Flurry. No, but I've always been. I just don't think he's a Hall of Famer. But I've been critical of him though too, saying that I think he's a very good goalie, but he's not always a smart goalie. Now he's gotten smarter. Yeah. As his career has, has progressed. Yeah. But he was never really a smart goalie, and there's a difference. I think, yeah. When you're talking about it. Um. But yeah, no, I think that. You know, getting back to to Flurry. Do you want to talk about Flurry right now on this? Because I do think you know. Well, we were talking. Let's stay on Hashik. Yes. This is Hashik's yes. day. Let's yes. not rob Hashik of his moment With because Flurry. he does. Yeah, you know, he need, without these moments, his legacy will be forgotten. Uh, so Hashik, is there a better goaltender matchup? You're talking about like Wah and what? I guess Wah. Well, that was Brodeur and Hashik, and you know, I mean, yeah, Wah's right up there, and that, that's your big three. I think yeah. if you're, you're Mount Rushmore of goaltenders, Hashik's on there with Brodeur, and they were the two in that game that I referenced, as far as my best Hashik memory, and easily top three. Um, yeah, but Wah, I don't know who the fourth would be. That's another topic. 
But um, I mean, you'd probably want to go with some sort of historical guy based on the numbers, like Sawchuck, Glenn Hall, or Sawchuck. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. But um, you know, there's another um, another Hashik memory that's not even really on the ice. It was when he got in the fight in the roller hockey game in the Czech Republic. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, that was after that's a great. I thought you were going to say the fight he got that? in with the sports writer. No, uh, no. I unfortunately <laughs> that did cross my mind when I opted to go for the uh, four overtime game, yeah. the Dave Hanna winner. But yeah, that was an unfortunate thing. But no, I mean he was you know. He was, it was like Hashik and, and Rob Ray were like the two draws for watching the Sabres. They were competitive teams. And like, you know, you had LaFontaine and McGillney in there for a little bit and Mayday and all that stuff. But like Hashik was like just such a, I don't even know if, if Buffalo fans really fully appreciated him when he was becoming the dominator. But he was like really good right away. Yeah. I don't think that Buffalo appreciates Hashik, period, even now that he's gone. And, and uh-huh. that's not to say that they don't think much of him. He's still a god, but he is so good. I think he's actually, you can be great. We've had this discussion before, too. Like Tony Gwynn, for instance. Mm. As great as he is in the Hall of Fame, all the greatness that you love, I think he's underrated. But there's that's how of, great he is. There's an icy relationship there with the way he left town. That's and, true. He forced his way out. He didn't want to win here or he didn't or he didn't think he could win here, but had he stuck around, who knows? You know, the this but it le- he left the Sabres no opportunity to try to win with him. You're absolutely right, Jonah. But I think that he was so he he might be in the conversation of the greatest player of all time now if you can say oh that's sacrilege you can't go up against wayne gretzky but when you're talking about different positions you are comparing apples to oranges a little bit you can probably make the case if you say that goaltender is the most important position on the ice which i always will and if he is the greatest goaltender of all time ergo maybe he's the greatest player of all time yeah all right so you can have that discussion puts you in the mix for that you can you can have that so the NHL Network, it did its countdown of the 100 greatest players, or whatever it was. I don't know where he ranked on that. I know that they did a show once where they talked about they, – they actually settled it as though he is the greatest goaltender of all time, better than Wah, better yeah. than Jacques Plante, better than Brodeur, the whole thing. Agree. So I think around Buffalo, I, I there's no – I feel like there should be almost a reverence about Dominic Hasek, and a plus he and another thing, a mitigating circumstance, Jonah, that you you know similar to how he went. He he lives in the Czech Republic. It's not like Jim Kelly where you see him around all the time. But Jim Kelly to football is not nearly as big as Hash what Hasek is to hockey, mm-hmm. and yet there is because of the Super Bowl aura of the Super Bowl era, uh, there is. You know, there's a veneration and, you know, these guys, because they're around town and a little more present. But, like, when Hashik's in town, you don't really hear about it. You know, you would hear when, of course, because a different situation. and But you would hear, when O.J. was in town, you heard about it. You know, oh, O.J.'s in town for the Bills game this week or whatever. But when Hashik's in town, you'll see him on the screen. They'll show him during the broadcast on MSG. But it's not, though, it's like. The TV stations don't get together and say Hashik's back, or maybe he's got some promotional thing that he's doing. But shouldn't there almost be a, a little bit more of a, oh my God, I mean, how good this guy was, and he's back and you know rolling out the red carpet for every time the guy's in town almost because the way it ended. Yeah, it's so, all about the way it ended. Yeah, and and we're you know a touchy. It's a Buffalo thing. What about the success he had afterwards? Also, 
Well, you know what I mean. He winning a cup. You know what I mean. Right after, and I was super and then, happy for him to get that cup because he was but, so deserving. But let's be honest. How many team. Buffalo Sabres fans or Buffalo fans in general are happy for somebody that you know what I mean? They wanted there's, to there's see a him sect fail. Of them, but exactly, they wanted to see him fail when he left. And I remember covering yeah. that game. It was an afternoon game when the Red Wings come back and played. Uh, I want to say it was either a holiday game or the yeah, next it was. Day. It was su- I want to say the... it was a Sunday afternoon game. Yeah, I was at it. Oh my god! They Didn't s- Vanek win in a shootout? Wasn't it Thomas? Vanek no, came that, up, or I think was that, that was a this, preseason? That was a something. preseason. They won like four to one, and uh, Fenneganoff I think scored the game winner out of the penalty box. Okay, yeah, I remember that. I'll, let me. I remember. It. I remember Chicago, or I remember uh, uh, Buffalo winning that game, beating Detroit, yes. and the fan, the the place was erupted. It was a big deal, and people wanted to see Hashik fail, of course, and. Uh, that would have been 02, I'm sure it right? would have been the same if Jim Kelly decided he wanted to play one last season for the Pittsburgh Steelers and came back. Uh, they'd want to see him get crushed. But, uh, yeah, I mean, enough time has passed. His number is uh, hanging in the rafters at Key Bank Center, as it should be. Uh, is there a statue? Does he have a statue? If we're going to do stat, by the way, I'm not a statue guy. I think statues are silly, whether it's a Confederate guy, whether it's Thomas Jefferson, so whether it's a, you know, in fact... I'll, I'll even go so far, so far as to say this: when people want to have the counterpoint to taking down a Confederate general's statue, they say, "Oh, what if somebody wanted to take down Thomas Jefferson's statue because he owned slaves?" Okay, fine. Well, I, it's I, mean, all, I don't, it's, I don't it's need. Not a, even about the. Yeah, I don't I, need I, a statue. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's I don't want to go there. Yeah, that's okay. a little bit of an aside. It's like, yeah, so what? Okay, so go ahead, take down Thomas Jefferson's statue. Yeah. I don't care. So I'm not a statue guy to begin with, but the Chicago Bears announced today. I was shocked to hear that these didn't exist already. They're going to install statues for George Hallis and Walter Payton. If ever there were two guys who deserve statues for their team, it's yeah. these two guys, right? right? And um, so anyway, if you're going to have statues, shouldn't there be a Dominic Hasek statue out there? Oh, 100%. There's I'm, the French I'm, Connection, which is gorgeous. There's the Tim there Horton isn't. statue across the street from the Tim Hortons, which is who cool. Who didn't and, do nearly you know, the same amount of output for the team that Hasek did. Right. It's not even close. I mean, you know. Tim Horton with the Buffalo Sabres was Dominic Hasek with the Ottawa Senators. Was Johnny Unitas for the Chargers. Yeah. Joe Namath with the Rams. Yeah. All those. Babe Ruth with the Boston Braves. A lot of people don't know that. There you go. Uh, But yeah. Anyways. No, and I'd like to revise my... um, My Hasek moment. My Hasekian moment. No, No, I think for the Sabres, it's that game. But, uh, you know, we can't forget the Olympics. And no. the shootout oh, and right. stoning everyone that Canada threw over the boards to try to score on. That was heavy duty. And that was a, a time when I thought, man, this is going to be the thing that triggers mainstream acceptance of hockey in the United States. I was wrong. Yeah. But at the time, I was so into it. I was living in Las Vegas at the time. That was 1998. I was covering the International Hockey League team that was out there, the Las Vegas Thunder. And I was just thinking, man, this is gonna do it. This is the this is the trigger. You want what do you, you got there, Bobby? You want to hear a highlight from it? Eric Lindros. Oh, the right. captain is up next. Big the Eric captain. Lindros driving hard. No! Look at that save, man. Hashik got a little piece of that. Rolling over on his back. Quintessential Hashik save. Yep, slinky spine. Yeah, so for those watching the simulcast on whatever TV station we're on right now, Periscope TV, Hashik rolls over on his back, does that that super Hashikian, throws out his arm, and that's it. He's and He has his own word. 
you know, but throws out his arm, oh just God. makes a save. It's because yeah. he, he cover. He, you know, the thing, Chris, I think what you're hitting, like, nonstop, you're, every single one of your points with Hashik is he did everything exactly the way he wanted to. It worked, and it wasn't it wasn't rep, replicable, right? I think that's a word, yeah. right? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Nobody could nobody could do that like him. And a lot of people thought, oh, he was so unorthodox, he just threw himself around. Everything was calculated. You know, he, he every single move he he had was calculated. He practiced stuff. Tim, I think you tell the story about the things he practiced. It, it, you know what I mean? Well, he hated to get beaten practiced, and especially if it was somebody like a Rob Ray or somebody who was a non-scorer. And yeah. he would stay. He would be just as livid about giving up a yeah. a goal in practice as he was a goal in the game. And so he'd stay out there and he'd make the player. All right, let's do that again until he stopped them. You know, ten times in a row oh or God. made him want to quit. He would come out and um, lay on his side and at the beginning of every practice and lift his pads up and try to get it as high as he could, basically over the crossbar. Like working it out. Yes. So like, you know, like a two-pad slide or yeah. stack. Stacking he would try pads. to lift that upper leg and see Think how high he can get it, work on his flexibility. That jazzercise. Was every... That's like Jane Fonda workout stuff. Oh, my Ooh. God. It's like the cover of the Jane Fonda workout. Now you're bringing right? some good memories yeah. of my childhood. <laughs> that see. record cover. Anyways, yeah. All right, when we come back, we'll talk more record. about Hashik. My mom did. Every, I think every mother of the 80s had that, uh, had jazz. She's still hot, too, by the way. She's, she's like 80, and she's still hot. Well, she's not, not unattractive. 80. Yeah, she's not I don't know if I either. call her hot, but hey, listen, she's still tepid. Yeah, she's still. She, yeah, yeah, she's lukewarm. She's still. I'll tell you that. She mm-hmm. is still. Yeah. All right, yeah, Bobby. Tell us more, Bobby. <laughs> All right. We come back. Of course, we're going to have a lot of Bills talk. Preseason opener tomorrow. We may see Chad Kelly versus Tyree Jackson, depending on what the Colts want to do at quarterback. Andrew Luck's not going to play. He's got the calf injury. Chad Kelly's fourth on the depth chart. So depending on how they want to divvy up those reps uh, between Jacoby Brissett and Phillip Walker, their third-string quarterback, uh, I imagine we're going to see Josh Allen for just a little bit, probably a lot of Matt Barkley and a lot of Tyree Jackson. We'll talk about that. We'll get into more Hashik. And whatever anybody else decides to bring up here on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I have to hurry up and start talking so Bobby can fade out that I got song. A, I got a clean radio edit. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. thinking ahead. You know. Do you have the clean Richard Cheese version? What's that? Oh, okay. <laughs> Write that down for the next break, Bobby. <laughs> so the Bills open up their preseason schedule tomorrow night at New Era Field against the Indianapolis Colts. You're going to have Frank Reich coming back. You're going to have Chad Kelly coming back. Swag Kelly. Not You're going to have fan, Frank Gore going up against his old team. Not a fan of Chad Kelly's. Gee, how come? <laughs> I, don't know, I think we just have different outlooks on life and, you know, how we conduct ourselves. Different values. Yeah, different Chad values. Kelly uh, is on his 12th second chance. Yeah. He's currently listed as fourth 
on the Colts depth chart, although third on the depth chart is Philip Walker, a player who has never been employed by any other team but the Colts. He's the former former Temple quarterback. 23 transactions in his career of being waived, added to the practice squad, dropped from the practice squad, added to the practice squad, dropped from the practice squad. 17 times last year he was involved in a transaction, and yet he's never been on an – I don't think he's ever been on the active roster. He's never been in a game and uh, has no NFL attempts. Uh, so – Chad Kelly, I think, has a chance to unseat the unaccomplished Philip Walker. Uh, Chad Kelly does bring a lot of heat with him. The Colts uh, were not happy, from what I understand, when I, um, I guess, broke the story. I, I tweeted out that the reason the Colts weren't going to sign Jake Dolagala, the St. Francis High kid, uh, who was undrafted in this year's uh, uh, this year's uh, draft and ended up signing with the Cincinnati Bengals. The Colts had shown some interest, but decided to back off because they were going to sign Chad Kelly. And when I tweeted that out, the Colts got upset because they know it's not great PR. (laughs) Uh, Frank Reich coming to the assistance of his good buddy, uh, Jim Kelly, and helping out the family uh, for a kid who has uh, worn out his welcome pretty much any organization he's been with, with the exception of St. Joe's. Uh, there was a high school, his first high school team, he got kicked off that team. He goes to Clemson, uh, got kicked off that team. He, well, I guess he didn't get kicked off at Ole Miss, but when he was, uh, he was recently just freshly signed or had accepted a scholarship from Ole Miss when the downtown incident happened at uh, Pearl Street, was it? Mm. Or no, no, no. Well, Encore. Encore. Yeah. Uh, in which he threatened to shoot up the place, or at least that was what was alleged, uh, and he s- spent the night in jail. Um, and then with the Denver Broncos, uh, ends up walking into somebody's house under the influence of something or other. and uh, Definitely wore out his welcome at that house. Yeah. He was, he was the husband uh, beat him with a vacuum cleaner vacuum attachment. Cleaner attachment. <laughs> hey, whatever's handy, man. Uh, whatever, whatever's at your disposal. So now Chad Kelly has to go through this uh, uh, retribution phase, he, his, uh, his penance period, but Frank Reich uh, decides to, and Chris Ballard, the general manager of the, mm-hmm. of the Indianapolis Colts, are giving him a chance. And uh, earlier this week, I believe it was, uh, Frank Reich tells the press that Yes, uh, it would. He's uh, he is uh, did, did play a major part. It's not just Chris Ballard's decision to go out and sign uh, Jim Kelly's nephew, Frank Reich. You know, had some influence in that. So they're taking some ownership of Chad Kelly, and they're on the hook. Chad Kelly has burned people in the past. Uh, John Elway was taking a chance and doing it as I don't want to say completely as a favor to Jim Kelly, but there was. Uh, Chad Kelly probably was not going to get drafted. Uh, he ends up going to the Denver Broncos with the last pick in the draft after Jim Kelly gets on the phone with John Elway. John Elway says, all right, we'll, we'll take him. And uh, and actually was doing well in Denver and probably would have gotten some playing time. He may have gotten some NFL starts last year because Denver's quarterback situation was a mess. Chad Kelly had a, a, a pretty good preseason last year captured some imaginations. Some fans were pushing for him. The quarterback situation was starting to uh, wobble. 
and then he has to you know be removed from the from the roster after a Halloween party that Von Miller uh, the uh, edge rusher for the Denver Broncos stages every year for charity and all the players show up to it in costume and imagine if that Halloween party was on a Saturday yeah, it probably was but no th- what I wanted to say about Chad Kelly though is like so I say like I'm not a fan of his or whatever but um I'm like he has the physical tools I've seen the kid play when he was at what old miss yep and you know he's got the arm he he's has a the runner physical tools. he can he can turn something he can take a broken play or he yeah he can turn it upfield he's a hell of a runner yeah and, and a big part of what I've done at least covering hockey players and prospects is watching young humans mature and like that's what you're kind of waiting for with Chad Kelly and I would like to see that I hope that he gets an opportunity in Indianapolis maybe starting tomorrow and can start putting the building blocks in place of turning it around and having a career out of it. You it say would be, mean beginning tomorrow, not starting. Like, like he's, well, not I don't in, think he's going to well, start tomorrow. No, that's what meaning, I'm saying. Yeah, like yeah. in-game action right. tomorrow. Yeah, I'd like to see him do well, even though I, you know, as because I think it would be a good story. And you can kind of see it down the line. So it's not a Buffalo thing. It's a it's more of a human interest thing. It's have you learned from your mistakes that have and precluded should, you from having a career? He it's certainly about, doesn't seem to learn. Yeah. You know, there's a rockhead Mm-hmm. element to his story that makes you want to i mean yeah i understand you're so not, i want to be clear on that yeah but i but you know i i like those kinds of stories where young people do learn and get it together and i also get the impression that there are not a lot of people in western new york necessarily who are pulling for chad kelly and jonah maybe you can speak to this as somebody who covers the are. high school and, and college ranks i think there are a lot of people who were just turned off by chad kelly even when he was at st joe's and the attitude and the ego and have kind of relished in him falling on his face as many times as he has i do think there's a little bit of that some people that have actually had encounters with chad kelly might have found him arrogant and maybe don't root for him anymore because of that. But I think as a whole, the general Bills fan that doesn't know him personally is rooting for him. They they like his swagger on the field. And, you know, a lot of Bills fans wanted the Bills to draft him. And I think just thinking that he might be the next generation Jim Kelly captivates people's imagination a little bit. I want to say, too, that I've spent a lot of time with Chad Kelly and his family. I went down to Oxford, Mississippi and did a large uh, story on him when he was turning things around, when coming from Clemson, he was a bona fide SEC star. His first season at Ole Miss, he was great. He broke records in the most competitive conference in the country, uh, and then suffered an injury. And uh, but uh, he he still did very well for himself at Ole Miss. Uh, I spent time. I was in his home. For a couple of nights during that draft, I wrote that story for the Buffalo News. I've so I've I've been there. I've been exposed to him and his family. Um, I've always thought that any time that he was dealing with uh, with me or everything that he said was the things you're supposed to say. And I thought, you know, maybe this, maybe he's, you know, getting this. He seems to, you know, he there's a religious element to things that he was coming around that he was putting. Uh, faith, uh, more of an importance on his faith, and uh, as his uncle had did, and maybe he was learning from some lessons, but there was also belief even from Jim, and Jim had been has been on the record about it, uh, even while Chad Kelly was at Ole Miss, or his, like, look, this kid's got to put it together. I mean, I can't keep telling this kid what to do. 
Uh, he's going to have to stop burning burning himself. And uh, he just hasn't been able to do it yet. But he has, like I said, his 12th second chance. It's, it's not like he's going to ascend up that depth chart to take over the spot that Brissett has in Indianapolis. So it's really he, he's, he has to – his tools are there. And it sounds like this Walker guy is like Milton, right? Like with the red stapler, like you can't get rid of him. Like they just keep like you don't. They're probably not even paying him. He just like keeps showing up to practice every, you know. But like if he the, can't, the amount of football is, is disproportionate to the amount of reps in practice. <laughs> I believe you have my jockstrap. <laughs> but I think that so like that's if Indianapolis is a team that can keep three quarterbacks, and I know not all teams keep three active right now, right? And that's with, right. With Andrew Luck having injury concerns in his career, it seems like they would keep three. It, it should be an opportunity for him, you know? So that's actually probably the storyline coming into the game tomorrow that I'm looking at on the other side of the field. I mean, there's so many things to be looking at from a Bills perspective that we'll probably get into, but I want to see this kid play now that we're talking about it. Yeah, I, I and Tyree Jackson, too. Yeah. We're going to see yes. you know, the UB kid in the NFL, the kid that was passed over, did not get drafted like Chad Kelly did with the very final selection. Uh, so Tyree Jackson, he's got a chip on his shoulder. And he's going to get a lot of reps. The Bills have only three quarterbacks, and they're not going to leave Josh Allen out there for long in the first preseason game. So we're clearly looking at Matt Barkley and Tyree Jackson tomorrow night against the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, so, yeah, there's a lot to look at. Devin Singletary is going to get a lot of reps because with being in their 30s, Frank Gore and LaShawn McCoy don't need to be on the field in a preseason game tomorrow. So we're going to see a lot of T.J. Yeldon, a lot of Devin Singletary. We're going to see... um, you know, all those guys that you've been wanting to take a look at, with the exception of guys, you know, Mitch Morse and his injury situation. But um, Ed Oliver, of course, we're going to want to see how he handles NFL caliber offensive linemen. Um, we're going to want to see who gets the preference. You know, that's where really you start looking into things. The Bills put out their first depth chart a couple of days ago because they have to preceding a game. But these are all unofficial, and they generally put out, especially the first depth chart, is done with deference to the veterans. Veterans, right. Uh, so we're going to see what the Bills really think of who their preferred people are at various positions along the offensive line or maybe in the linebacking core or what have you. So, yeah, we'll, we'll learn a lot tomorrow. Jonah, anything that you're looking forward to tomorrow within just in terms of learning? Maybe not even for like seeing a guy play, but in terms of usage or anything like that? No, I'm hoping that whatever story I have to write, the angle is very clear by like the end of the first quarter, <laughs> and I can get that done by like maybe the end of the third quarter. Early deadlines and, for night games. Yeah, hope well, we get a lot of good quotes at halftime. I mean, <laughs> there has true. to be there, there's us, a natural us print alignment. guys do have selfish yeah. reasons for what we look at during these games. But there's a natural alignment between your history and Tyree. Yeah, I am interested so, in seeing Tyree Jackson more so over the course of the preseason. And, uh, you know, another player, Cam Lewis, the cornerback, who's been having a good camp, I've read. And, and actually, I'm writing for the Indy Star. So the Chad Kelly storyline is something I'll be paying attention to a lot if he gets in there and plays, you know, good or bad. I think that's relevant to not just uh, the Buffalo fans, but Indianapolis and whether you know he's a keeper for them. What are you looking at? So Barkley comes in, like maybe Josh Allen plays what two, three series, maybe Barkley comes in, and then do you bring Barkley out there again for maybe uh, a series or two to start the second half, yeah. and then just cut Tyree loose the rest or, of the game? Or maybe what they'll do is they'll tell Tyree 
all right, prepare as though you're starting this game for the beginning of the third quarter. You're coming out there. You're going to go through your warm-ups and do all the things that you're supposed to do, as, and you're going to take over that very first series for us right out of the locker room. So they try to create as much of a game situation as possible. That's I don't, what I would expect. Yeah, I don't think the Bills really care what Matt Barkley does tomorrow night. I don't think they care what Josh Allen or Matt Barkley do tomorrow night. It's the first preseason game. Uh, Josh Allen, you don't want him out there for injury purposes. Matt Barkley's been in the league long enough, and he's your clear number two guy. They're not shopping or looking for an upgrade at their number two quarterback. So whatever you do out there, Matt, is fine. You're just going to go out there and work out the kinks, uh, air it out a little bit. I think it's once you get into the second and third preseason game. Then the fourth preseason game, you might see Tyree Jackson play the whole thing. Um, In fact, what teams have been doing a lot recently is picking a quarterback up off the street to play in your fourth preseason game uh, and then cutting him the next day. Uh, But one thing to look forward or look at, uh, an underrated thing to look at um, tomorrow night or for any preseason games are the guys who don't play, the the young guys who don't play. Uh, you get an idea of really that the team it doesn't think much of these guys um, because the starter, the, the the first preseason game and the fourth preseason game are the ones where you're going to get your quality reps if you're a young player uh, or a backup fighting for fight. If you're really fighting for a spot, you're going to get some looks in that first game. The fourth preseason game are the guys who maybe one or two of them really have a chance to make the team. Um, so like Sills? Right, yeah. Sills, if a guy like Sills uh, doesn't get on the field tomorrow night, not a good sign. Um, or also, Duke the guys Johnson. that are out there at the very end of the game, that can, depending on the depth level of the position, not be a good sign. That's true. Well, that's that's especially true for the fourth preseason yeah. game. But I think that there's some truth to this. The, the first preseason game is a little similar. To, it's You don't see as many guys not playing. But the starters get out real quick, and they get through that second team somewhat quick, too. Right. But I think where you're talking about, especially at wide receiver, where there are so many guys and people want to know who's going to get be that sixth, seventh guy if there is one. All right, we're going to hit a break. We're going to come back. We have plenty more to talk about with the Bills preseason opener tomorrow night, observations from training camp, uh, talk some more about the anniversary of Dominic Hasek uh, and his trade to Buffalo back in 1992, 27 years ago today. And how about Adam Gase? <laughs> this New York Jets head coach uh, – I may have a new score to beat for my least favorite person in sports, and it had been David Price. Ooh. But I think Adam Gase has just undercut David Price as a guy who I am going to want to see fail and fail hard. One-time Williamsville resident, Adam Gase. That's right. Williamsville South uh, student. Right. That nobody remembers, though. That's true. Didn't play. Uh, what? A, we'll, we'll talk about that when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Prominent listener sent uh, this gift to me. I will have a big unveiling. Jim Brown's still a free agent. This is Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. 
What do we think of the Smiles Gallery at the Buffalo News? I know it's wildly popular. I'm a fan. Well, edited by Ben Sujimoto. The thing, you know, the pictures. I know what they're going for with the pictures that they get you to start clicking on. There's an art to picking the the lead. Yeah, pick the main. Yeah. There's always a lot of cleavage. I take the hook. Yep. Like I said, I take the hook. They're looking for the best smiles, and I think they often find them. Yes. I like to call it the Buffalo News Spank Bank. Well, yes. I'm with you on that. <laughs> like, I'm not Emphatically, with you. <laughs> obviously. But no, um, it's funny, though, too, because I do. I, that's like, I, I probably read that or whatever you call it, look at it, <laughs> more than anything else in the Buffalo News these days. I think it leads them in, in, uh, in <clears throat> clicks all the time. In fact, they have to remove it from their metrics reports that they do because it will be, you know, one through ten or whatever. But well, it's I, also a good exercise in profiling people. So, like, when you look at the event... Oh, that absolutely. The, and you can... You you almost know what you're going to see. Like, there's certain events that you know there's going to be, like, a high, you know, trash factor or high douche factor or whatever. <laughs> and and I go through yes. every single picture to confirm it. Right. You're I, absolutely I right. I look for people I know, and so there might be 110 pictures, and I know one person in one photo, but I click all 110 looking for, you know, either something... You, know, you just want to see what people look like, or you're, you're hoping you find, like, an embarrassing picture and somebody you know. And they're often uncensored. You'll see a lot of middle fingers in there. Yes. I'll tell you what, I don't like being at events when I see them taking the pictures. I try to avoid them yeah. myself, That's what I do. but I actually like looking at the galleries. I do, too. <laughs> uh, I'll go through an event that I think I might have friends that have attended, like a certain concert that's in my from my age group. Um, but then you'll, obviously, it, you can tell how they stack them up, you know, they, I think to it's, get you. I think it's a good feature, too. People just love looking for themselves or people they know. And it's, I think it's smart to go to all these events and find ways to incorporate all the fans there. Like, there'll, there'll probably be somebody doing this at the Bills game tomorrow. It won't be Bills coverage, but it'll be all these Western New Yorkers that are at the Bills game. People don't believe me when I tell them this, but when I was at the Palm Beach Post in 2007 and into 2008, we had a feature uh, because it's public information and the sunshine laws that they have down in Florida is that they would tap into, they made arrangements where all of the mugshots from the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Department were immediately downloaded onto the Palm Beach Post website. And they would turn it into a gallery. And then they would take two or three, or however many, provocative photos, like a guy with no teeth or with uh, his face full of tattoos or a particularly hot woman. Uh, And they would get you to click. And, of course, what would happen is... Then you stay on it and you keep clicking, similar to the Smiles Gallery at the Buffalo News, because you want to see, number one, do I know anybody on here? What the hilarious mugshots, because people often get arrested uh, not in the right frame of mind, so they take sometimes uh, funny photos. Uh, or, yeah, all that stuff. Or what crime, like, is there something particularly heinous in there? Because it would have the name and the crime underneath also. And it got, and I'll see if I can find. <laughs> I remember when I, because I went to the ESPN from the Palm Beach Post, and so I'm at ESPN.com, and I remember telling my boss about it, and he did not believe the sheer number of clicks this was getting on a daily basis, more than ESPN's football coverage. Because <laughs> you get clicking on one, and you end up clicking on 40, 50, and so you got, or maybe more, you'd go through the entire gallery. Palm Beach, you know, South Florida, you get a lot of crimes. Florida, you know, a lot man. Of, yeah, it's all kinds of crazy stuff. 
So millions and millions of clicks. And uh, so that was the concept. And uh, I'll see if I can find an email that I sent to that boss at ESPN to say, look, there's no joke. These are our metrics. And it would come back like millions. Um, But yeah, people (laughs) love to look at candid photos. I'm a sucker for that stuff. It's not just the uh, smile gallery in the local newspaper, but it's it is the, you know, the the mugshots. I, I I'm a sucker for that. Yes, I'll let you know. I, I get sucked into that. Vortex. At the Buffalo News, it's also a way around union help because it's an online only feature, so they can hire an outside photographer to cover these things. They don't have to pay a photographer a shift. They just say, "Hey, so and so, we want you to go out to this event. We'll pay you a flat rate. Take as many pictures as you can. Send them to our system." And and so it's uh, it's hmm. cost effective way to get clicks. Right. And uh, hmm. yeah. But you mentioned something interesting, and I'm not going to go into the gritty details, but you're right about the lack of censorship <laughs> on those pictures, because I remember sending you one that was not a finger. That's from That was from that? Yes. That was from the Smiles Gallery? Yes. And I, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I do. Yes. I forgot about it until as soon as you just said what a that was not play. a finger. Oh, that's the best. Wasn't a finger. There's all kinds of things yeah. uh, that you I'll can find you. if you look closely phone. enough. Like a chicken finger? Yeah, yeah, chicken finger. Yeah, it was like your a person's twenty first digit. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, like Yes. I'm not following. It only would have been better if they said uh, smile gallery from the local ball game. <laughs> and I'll let you figure out what it was. Thank you, Bobby. I got that cuz of you. Thank you. So Dan Pompey at The Athletic uh, wrote a story about Adam Gase, the former Miami Dolphins head coach who was fired and then quickly snatched up by the New York Jets and has been known for quirky behavior. Uh, his uh, looked in, as though he were under the influence of something as, at his introductory news conference or should have been under the influence of something uh, at his introductory news conference with the New York Jets. Uh, you can go online and find those images. Uh his eyes were popping out of his head. He seemed to be amazed by <laughs> the taco. Like, colors. Did you see that one where like they had a taco superimposed on the picture and his eyes were following the taco? <laughs> yeah. Wild, man. <laughs> Sorry. So Dan Pompey, the athletic, does an in- in-depth piece on Adam Gase. And let me read you this, pack, uh, this passage. Uh, this going back to his time when he was with the Denver Broncos as an assistant coach. And uh, back in 2013, uh, he was talking uh, – Back then, every Tuesday, uh, he would meet with Peyton Manning at 2 p.m., but on a particular Tuesday, his wife, Jennifer, was delivering their son by a C-section. So right now, I pick up the writing of Dan Pompey. Gase told his wife to schedule the operation for 10 a.m., quote, So they pulled the baby out of me and said, It's a boy, Jennifer says. Quote, They didn't even put my organs back and sew me up before he's like, You good? I said, yeah, I'm good. He said, all right, then I'm out. They said, you want to cut the umbilical cord? He said, no, I'm good. End quote. At 2 p.m., Manning was stunned to find Gase waiting for him in the meeting room. Manning says, you've got to be kidding me. Didn't your wife just have a baby two hours ago? And Gase replied, yeah, but did you really think I was going to let you win this one? (laughs) Wow. What is with people who take it that seriously? 
And I, I know that I make a lot of people around one Bill's drive or at training camp, guys like on the coaching staff in the front office, I, I make them scratch their heads a little bit because I'm pretty irreverent when I get around there. I have the same personality around them as I do around you guys or at the bar. I refuse to take this seriously. And yes, I know that it pays my mortgage. It's their livelihood. It's my livelihood. But in the end, it's sports. And when I get, ask a question just to keep things light in a news conference or to make the coach laugh or Brandon Bean laugh, it's just like my reminder of let's yeah. let's not take all this stuff too seriously. Let's maybe enjoy each other's company a little bit. Let's have some fun talking sports. Perspective. Yeah. Adam Gase left the room before his wife's organs were put back in her body after a C-section, before she was sewn up, didn't have any interest, didn't have any time or interest to cut the umbilical cord in 2013. And obviously they all seem think this is funny or they're proud of it because it's they're, anecdotal. they're telling Dan Pompey all this stuff. They're not ashamed of it. He wanted to win so bad, he apparently just On a Tuesday, he's like, cut yeah. that cord. <laughs> Get back there. Has anyone stopped to think, though? On that... a Tuesday, by the way, which is an off day in the NFL. Yes. yes. <laughs> now, has anyone thought that maybe Gase's wife really didn't want him there to begin with? Like, maybe she was the big winner there. I'm also thinking he didn't want to be there and maybe use the football meeting as a little bit of an excuse. Like, hey, got to go. Yeah, got to get to work. This pays the bills, honey. You know? Unreal. But... I want to know what poor <clears throat> Wyatt this son Wyatt is going to think of when he reads and he maybe gets old enough to yeah. Google his father and read about him and, uh, and think, man, what is with this guy? What is, this is my, my dad. Why is my dad like this? So you mentioned though, that this is a snippet of probably one of many things in Dan Pompey's article that makes you maybe not root for Adam Gase. Is this the high, is this the big one? That's the one for me, and I could probably go through and fight, yeah. but yeah. But that, you're a parent, though, so yeah. I can yeah, okay. I mean, I just don't get the whole thing about, I do think that being Mr. around Sirius. the team, not only Mr. Serious, but the guy who has a cot at the facility and sleeps only four hours a night because I'm going to outwork you, there is a there is diminishing returns to not getting your rest, uh, things that you're going to over-prepare and never use or whatever. Yeah, so there, yeah, there's the NFL has built up this... Uh, mystique that we are supposed to admire this in in John. It, I think it started with John Gruden back when he was with the Oakland Raiders the first time before he won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay, of of coaches who force it. You know, we we're I'm just no one is gonna gonna put in more time than me. And you also see some f- pushback on it. Uh, uh, you know, Bruce Arians is known for saying, "I better never hear." Of anybody on my staff missing my son, missing their daughter's recital, or you know things like that. Let alone their birth, uh, things or the cutting the umbilical cord. Um, just wacky. I mean, I, I just don't have a lot of respect for people who take it this seriously. I, I agree with you there. I do. I mean, I, I've always wondered that about this whole football culture and this coaching culture, and you know, even Bill Belichick. And, I'm sorry, Bobby. No days off. No, and, I was just going to say, what, what what's your take on Bill Belichick? Because I I don't think he's that kind of guy where he's psychotic about it. I think he's just really good. And the, obviously, you could take it as a biased, obviously, opinion. But I mean, where do you where do you stand there? No, I have a great respect for Bill Belichick. I think he's the greatest coach. 
coach in NFL history. Mm. But I don't know. We don't really care about the hours he spends. He doesn't wear it on his sleeve. Now, maybe, I don't know. That's maybe better, he does right? put in these, these hours. Maybe he does, but I, you don't really hear about it or say, hey, look at me. It's and not a flaunt. Ch- right. He's not flaunting that. Yeah, he's. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't put in these hours. Maybe he relies on a staff to do a lot of this stuff for him. Maybe yeah. it's gone, they've gone to a certain point where the— But they have the, lives, too. I bet you that staff. It's not right. like they're— you know. His sons are actually on his coaching staff, which is right. a, a nepotism thing that I don't necessarily— I don't agree with. I think it's silly just to think <laughs> neither of these kids, I think, even played football. They were lacrosse players, but now they're NFL coaches and they'll be coordinators and head coaches soon enough. But uh, anyway, all right, so w- let's get a break in. We'll talk more about the Bills, uh, more about the Sabres. We have uh, Chris Baker at Sabres Prospects uh, here in studio. Uh, we're going to hit him up on that. We're going to talk about what's going on in. Uh, well, we got we have Jonah here. We're going we're gonna to make it a point to talk some NBA. Oh. A lot of stuff to and talk some about. Niagara Community College. Yeah, you want to? You want to get into that? Damon commit, uh, new I'm, Damon commit. Oh, there's Damon commits. There's scholarship offers for NCCC players. Prolific three point shooter. I mean, how deep in the woods do you want to go here? Bills, Sabers, and much, much more on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio, twelve seventy, The Fan. Jerry Sullivan Show. Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. This is Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I know I'm going to get pimped. They're going to pimp me. Yonk, huh? I love sausage. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber. The Tim Graham Show. I diddled uh, some pole uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me so honia. I did have an accident with a menorah. Here we go. On Twitter at 1270, the fan. Wet Taking your calls at 270-1270. Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. When's the last time you read the New Testament, huh? Uh-oh. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, the fan. So far, we've talked about Dominic Hasek's anniversary. August 7th, 1992 was the date the Sabres traded Stefan Beauregard in a fourth-round pick that turned out to be Eric Daze. Pretty good. That was also Sidney Crosby's fifth birthday? Yeah. Yeah, he was born on that date. He was getting ready to enter kindergarten. The Sabres get a 27-year-old Dominic Hasek. Who goes on to win five Vezinas, two Hart trophies, two Stanley Cups? Twenty-seven. Exited the shadows ring. of Ed Belfour. Just couldn't get a chance to start. Yeah. yeah. And as great as Ed Belfour was, I'm sure the Blackhawks would like to have that one back. Oh my God. No, one thing I remember I about imagine. Dominic Hasha coming here, and I, I just looked it up to verify. At that time, NHL '94 came out. And he was the backup to Grand Fury. He was a 53 rating. No kidding. So Josh Allen or any of these guys that aren't too happy with their Madden ratings can use that as, you know. That's a, a fantastic anecdote. I did not know that. Because I remember playing the game and thinking, who's this bum backup goaltender? I hope I don't have to use him. Wow. <laughs> no, I think it was like a 90 in the next year. Yeah. That was back when I was playing it. I used to get the NHL game every year. 
bleeding yeah. heads. That was all kind. Yes, not uh, not politically correct. Politically incorrect. Yeah, yes, it, it was a different era. Back when video games weren't as, you know, bad for our society. I don't yeah, know what point I'm trying to make here. Now, the Sabres had just two months earlier traded Christian Rutu for Stefan Beauregard, who then yep. never plays for the Sabres. Should we then say that really the trade was Christian Rutu yeah. and Eric Daze and what became Eric? Of course, the Blackhawks have to make that pick. They have to hit a bad pitch there to turn a fourth-round pick into Eric Daze. It's a much better story, though, with Stefan Beauregard. And a fourth-round pick. And a fourth-round pick. You don't even mention who it was for. Christian Rutu is great, by the way. He's still involved in hockey. He's a, um, a European scout. He's like a director of scouting, actually, for, I want to say, the L.A. Kings. And he's probably running about 250, 260. No kidding. Yeah. Good player. He was good. He was crafty. He had the old Jofa. Bucket, oh the God. old Jofa. How can you forget those? But um, yeah, space, yeah so it's like you helmet. see him though, and you're like, no, that's not Christian Rutu. And then yeah, you look and you verify it's it's Christian Rutu. But hey, it happens. To, it happens to all of us. Also know? on the docket today, we <laughs> talked about the potential of Chad Kelly versus Tyree Jackson tomorrow night at New Era Field when the Bills open their preseason schedule against the Indianapolis Colts. Andrew Luck will not play because he has a calf injury. So. We're going to see some Jacoby Brissett out of the Colts, uh, some Philip Walker and Chad Kelly fourth on. Now he's fourth. On, we talked about unofficial depth charts. We may learn that Chad Kelly's really the second quarterback behind Andrew Luck tomorrow. We'll find true. out. Yeah, it's although like, he yeah. hasn't been getting the commensurate reps for that. Uh, Philip Walker has been getting more attention in practice, so that would be a a bit of an upset to see uh, Chad Kelly leapfrog him in terms of uh, who comes off the sideline first tomorrow. Philip Walker uh, from Temple a couple years ago has not thrown an NFL pass. He has been involved in 23 transactions already with the Indianapolis Colts, practice squad stuff, being waived, then being signed to futures contracts, you know, that type of thing. Uh, we also spoke about Adam Gase <laughs> and uh, why this guy is a kook. And It's uh, a good word. Kook's, kook's a good word for Adam Gase. Yeah, the eyes. He's got the crazy eyes. I stay away from women that have the same eye kind of thing going on that Adam Gase has. So kook is perfect because that's – I have about 50 ex-kooks. <laughs> what type of women that look like NFL coaches are you into? Listen, that's not where I was going, Sexy Jonah. Andy Reid. And I was going to say, yeah. Right. That's not where I was going. Wayne Fonts. Sexy Andy Reid. <laughs> Man. Have you ever dated anybody that looks like Wayne Fonz? No. No. Or the Fonz. Wayne Fonz or the Fonz. No. No, I haven't. I have to go back through the roll deck. It's been a couple, you know, been a couple rough nights, but I wouldn't say I dated him, Tim. <laughs> All right, we talked a little bit about uh, Devin Singletary. I think he could be a breakout guy in the preseason because Frank Gore and LaShawn McCoy uh, – They'll be on pitch counts, as it were. The Bills aren't going to be that interested in getting them too much preseason action. We're going to see a lot of T.J. Yeldon, of course. Uh, Ed Oliver tomorrow night. Uh, everybody's going to want to see him in a Bills jersey for the first time out there playing against another team. Uh, also, before we come back next week for the show, the Bills will be in the Carolinas 
joint practices against the Carolina Panthers before playing the Panthers in a preseason game in Charlotte. Uh, Jonah Bronstein will be hosting next week's show, so there's a programming announcement for you. I'll be calling in with some updates from practices and things like that. So another good measuring stick. I think I might be more interested in seeing the Bills going up against the Panthers in these joint workouts than I am uh, with what we're going to see tomorrow night against the Colts. Well, the second preseason game is generally more interesting than the first. And, yeah, I've never covered one of these joint workouts, so you might know a little bit more about what goes on there. But that does seem to be, you know, you learn a little bit more about the team playing against another team than you do playing against themselves. I don't know. You think that you, it's you a lot more, get more scripted. out of it than a preseason game? Well, it's a lot more scripted in that, you know, Sean McDermott and uh, Ron Rivera are going to get together and decide what they want to do which is not what you do in a preseason game. Preseason game, everything's, you know, it kind of unfolds organically. But it's also, as they always say, vanilla. They don't uh, put too much nuance out there. You're running a very basic offense, a very basic defense against the other team's basic offense, basic defense. Uh, So they will work on specific things. We may not see a two-minute drill Thursday night, but we'll see two-minute drills uh, for both Carolina and Buffalo, both you know on both sides of the ball to see how they handle it. We're going to see certain packages out there. Uh, we're going to see uh, uh, players being inserted uh, into the first unit uh, to go up against Carolina's first unit. So yeah, I think you you learn a little bit more. You have to look harder, uh, but uh, you, you do learn a little bit more. There's I think. always a good fight. Yeah, you always see that. You know, they say, "Oh, it feels good to go up against a different jersey or go up against a guy in a different helmet." We're getting tired of these faces that we're going up against uh, each other every day. Uh, yeah, you'll see all that stuff. Can we get back to Singletary for a second? So, I'm I'm excited to see this kid in game action. Now, I haven't been out to practices, obviously, but I'm excited to see what this kid can do based on his highlights from when he was drafted. Now. We talked a little bit about this last week. First show back, we kind of got into, you know, Shady and Gore and the running backs and DeMarco and what are you going to do with him? Because, you know, say he really starts showing early on that he's a player and he's a playmaker and he's going to force his way onto the field, maybe more often than what they have in mind right now. I'm looking at the Cowboys depth chart and say Zeke Elliott doesn't come to terms with the Cowboys. I'm looking at their depth chart. Tony Pollard, Mike Weber. Ola Wale, I think I'm saying that right. Wouldn't they be in the market for a one-year plug with that offensive line they have for a LaShawn McCoy? And couldn't Devin Singletary be a factor that maybe makes that happen? Am I getting too fantasy football, you know? Well, who are the two teams that, according to LaShawn McCoy, are trying to trade for him or have tried to trade for him? Nobody nobody knows that. Can we guess? Philadelphia, do we think that's one of the teams? Well, that was a rumor back last season uh, around this time that he could go back, or I shouldn't say around this time, but yeah, during the season going up near the trade deadline that he could end up going back to Philadelphia. Um, You know, LaShawn McCoy makes a lot of money, though. Mm -hmm. And if Dallas is having trouble paying Ezekiel Elliott, I think they'd rather eat some pride and give Ezekiel Elliott the money than make a trade for LaShawn McCoy and give it to him. The only thing that brings it up, I guess, is his agent's comments. I know it's all posturing, and agents say things to kind of, you know, move the ball forward in negotiations and whatnot, but he's basically saying that he's prepared to sit out the whole year, right? Isn't that what I heard today? Yes. So, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm pieing the skying it here, I guess. Just for the record, uh, base salary this year for LaShawn McCoy, $6.175 million. 
the signing bonus is already baked uh, into uh, his salary cap number. Um, he's already gotten his workout bonus from the Bills. Uh, so could he end up in Dallas? I mean, for 6.1, that's it's cheaper than what they would be with them what Ezekiel Elliott wants, but he's also 31 years old. But hey, hey it's one year kicking the can and they could also get as you know, you can have uh, a conversation and say, look, we'll sign you and we'll maybe even extend your contract, but we're going to lower that number. We're going to pay you $4 million this year and next year. Uh, would you want to come to Dallas and get out of this situation you're in in Buffalo? Maybe Drew Rosenhaus, who is LaShawn McCoy's agent, says, yeah, we take that. Go down there and play for Dallas. Uh, of course, you have the you run the risk of not being the man, and I think LaShawn McCoy said in his uh, or at least he indicated in his uh, talks yesterday that his his ego has been bruised by the signing of Frank Gore and the drafting of Devin Singletary. He thinks he's the man, and he's motivated by that. So would he be as attracted to Dallas? I mean, you pr- you have a chance to – you're a lot closer to a Super Bowl in Dallas than you are in Buffalo. That's not to say the Buffalo isn't going to be competitive this year, but – you're talking about a team that's made the playoffs once in the last 18 years. And I'm just looking at it from, you know, just again, scenario. I know it's pie in the sky, but I don't have the same thought process around the Chargers if they can't come to an agreement with Melvin Gordon. I mean, because they have Eakler and I think they have even another pretty talented back behind him. But I, I, I keep thinking about that. You know, like I asked you last week, I'm like, are they going to trade McCoy? And there's a lot that has to happen for because what you just said about his ego being bruised. And, oh, I've been the man since I was six, eight years old, whatever the quote was. <laughs> he could be a tremendous asset to the Bills uh-huh. if the line can do their job. I think that was a big problem with McCoy last year was the line in front of him. Maybe. If he responds and if he doesn't get off to a slow start, because if he gets off to a slow start, I think you could be looking at, man, here we go again. Now, that's not to say that he totally goes in the tank because he had a rough go of it for weeks, and I'd have to bring up his numbers here, but then he had a breakout game against the Jets. And so it wasn't as though he quit. Like He, he is capable of the big game. I think if you quit, then we don't have big games at all. He just says, all right, it's not working for me this year. Um, but you hate to see him, if you're a Bills fan, get off to that slow start and then see Singletary eating into his reps and Frank Gore being the, the lead back or the, or the, the first guy. Yeah, right. And then Singletary, you know. Um, it'll be interesting to see how, how it unfolds with him and his, uh, his uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess his psyche or his, uh, his, com- his, his chemistry with, with the rest of the running back room. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, yeah, because I think the sulk factor that could happen if he gets off to a slow start, that may want to, the Bills might just want to cut it out. Yeah. You know, that's that's a possibility too. And, you know, it's not always about the money necessarily. And even if he's running well, but the Bills decide they want to alternate carries and have a bit of a platoon, I don't think he's going to handle that well. I mean, he might bite his tongue and not make a big deal out of it, but I don't think he's going to embrace that type of reduced role and might not be the best leadership present. Because I think he is a leader, but if he's not happy, he might not be the type of leader they need in that locker room right now. Well, here's an interesting thought. He was a captain last year, voted captain for the first time. He was immensely proud of that. Is LaShawn McCoy voted captain again this year? What Sean McDermott has done, he has two captains for every unit. Last year's captains were LaShawn McCoy and Patrick DeMarco. Patrick DeMarco is very well thought now that's voted on by the players. I don't want to say that McDermott names him, but... DeMarco is very respected in that room. He is uh, their NFL 
PA player rep. Uh, you now have Frank Gore in there. Are there players who want to vote Frank Gore, even though he's new here because of what he's done, because of his presence in the league? He's known as one of the all-time great locker room guys. Is he a, is he a captain? Josh you, Allen. Ex- I was just going to say that. Josh Allen, everybody talks about what a great leader he is. You want the guy to step up and start to earn it? Put that C on him. So you have that guy. Maybe somebody on the line. Maybe Mitch Morse. I mean, who's going to be – if LaShawn McCoy might not be the captain, he might lose his C this mm-hmm. year. That could be an interesting dynamic. I just I know that reading off numbers is is bad radio, but just for the sake of context. Here's LaShawn <laughs> McCoy. Rodak doesn't think it's bad Yeah, radio. that's true. He, he was good at that. So LaShawn McCoy, uh, these are his stats week by week uh, last year. Seven carries, 22 yards. Nine carries, 39 yards. Five carries, 24 yards. Then – In week five, because he missed the game against Minnesota, so this is his fourth game, but it's week five, 24 carries, 85 yards. So that's not a quitter. Granted, that's a 3.5-yard average. They were feeding him the ball. They were trying to get something going, but he gets 85 yards on the ground. Comes back the next week, 16 carries, 73 yards, two carries for one yard, 12 for 13, 10 for 10. Mm. Then... Against the New York Jets, 26 carries, 113 yards, two touchdowns. Um, his first touchdowns of the season. Uh, he, in fact, he two of his only three touchdowns. He scored one in the season finale. So the guy doesn't quit, but that's not to say that with Frank Gore on the roster with him and Devin Singletary looking over his shoulder, uh, unlike whoever was on the roster last year, that Lashawn McCoy doesn't get a little tightly wound. Uh, if he things don't go for him great right out of the gate. I love that captain storyline. I, I think that's a cool storyline to follow. Except it's kind of meaningless in football. Well, it, it is, but well, it's also, it but I think it means to something to the guys. That's exactly what I was going to say. I guess the vote. And if you're yeah. an incumbent captain and it's the same group of guys, like for me, Josh Allen is probably going to be voted a captain of the team. I think it's the na- next step be. in maturation as a leader. Kind of what we talked about, with Chad Kelly. It's that maturation. He's process. one of those guys too that's known for for bringing everybody together. Yes. People are drawn to him naturally. He spent the off season with a lot guys on both sides of the ball doing various things. So he's if the team's voting, I think Josh Allen's a captain. And if they don't vote for him, it'll look like the players don't believe in him. And I also sometimes wonder if. You know, who's counting these votes? And is it really, you know, rigorous standards? Or do the coaches decide who the captains are going to be and be like, yep, this is who the players voted? Yeah, do they bring in Price Waterhouse yes. to monitor? The- <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Terry Pagula has him on a retainer. No, I think, though, the other part, part of that, though, that I want to mention with the captaincy thing is Frank Gore doesn't need to be a captain to help Josh Allen be a leader. It's almost better if Frank Gore is just Frank Gore. Frank Gore might say, "Hey guys, he I don't want to be a captain. Yes. I'm new here. Maybe I don't. I don't deserve it." So then it gets interesting with the Demarco captain. It's like, is he even guaranteed a spot on the team? No. So it's. I think it's an interesting storyline, and and I agree with you. And and maybe it means more in other sports, Jonah, the captaincy, but it's a storyline, regardless. And I I don't know. And it involves, I just, I'm interested in that. And it, it involves guys with a lot of ego too, huge egos. I mean, it's it's not just like bunch you know, of alphas, a couple of young guys, right? Yeah, I think it's I think it's that's I think that might be like a a first domino maybe with the McCoy thing that we talked about already. So I'm gonna do it. When we come back, we'll talk more bills. We'll get into some sabers. We have to. Chris Baker is here. Sure. And uh, some NBA. 
we'll round it out. Let's do NBA next. Yeah, it's a big time of the year for the NBA. Absolutely. The stuff's breaking left and right. What would be the number one story right now, Jonah? Last week, the it number was one story LeBron right now is a new. It's a LeBron again. Oh. It's a new NCAA rule that is colloquially being called the Rich Paul rule. Yes. Agents can represent players, and we can get into it after the break. I don't want to give it all away right now. Does it? Appro- is it like hockey? Totally different. They're they're having base qualifications now. We'll get into it. Okay. The, yeah. That and much much more on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio twelve seventy, the fan. Load in the app store. Now back to the Tim Graham Show. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show at Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. You can check out a video stream of this on Periscope. Jonah Bronstein handles that. And uh, it's on his Twitter feed. I retweet it. Other people retweet it. You can go looking for it. This and all previous Tim Graham shows, right, Jonah? Yeah. They're all out there. Except one. Which one was that? Was that the one that OJ was on? Didn't we have an Mm, issue? I don't think it was that one. There was one where the audio was a little messed up and we were talking reckless in the commercial and we killed it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We killed that. It's the lost episode. I wonder (laughs) if anybody can find that. It's like, uh, I guess there's some Holy Grail, uh, uh, Grateful Dead bootleg that's out there of some show that nobody has uh is trying to find it'd be like that collector's yeah. item on cassette I, I people are going to be trading cassettes in the parking lot <laughs> chris baker's here he's at sabers prospects oh uh you can also catch the tim graham show in podcast form right after the show we uh, post it uh, i retweet it out there it's on itunes you can get it on soundcloud uh, so to feed all of your different appetites whether you want to listen to it live over the air in your car uh, at Sports Radio 1270 The Fan, whether you want to listen to it at your leisure, download that mofo. I may even give you a retweet this week. I, do, I don't often participate in the Tim Graham Show tweets for a reason. It's calculated, but right. I, think, I think this is the week. Why is that? Why it's, don't you? Just a, do I have to earn it? It's a personal policy. <laughs> I see. I'll okay. My, yeah, yeah. So there's a, a new system. In the NBA regarding college uh, representation with well, agents no, and all this an, stuff? It's an NCAA, and I don't even think it's a rule yet. I think it's a proposed rule, and the memo was leaked about – because what, what the NCAA is moving towards is allowing players to be represented by an agent and test the NBA draft waters but maintain their eligibility. So if they don't get drafted or they don't like what they're hearing from teams before the draft, I don't know exactly when that – Deadline will be. But anyways, they can have an agent represent them through the draft process, and then if they want to come back to school, they can still come back to school. Because right now you sign with an agent, and then right away you're not allowed. Your your NCAA eligibility is up. So they're going to change that rule a little bit. But what happened was the the, the leaked memo, there's some criteria for that. Yeah. And one of them being – well, the, the three criteria that came out were be certified with the MBPA, which is normal, take a – written exam with the NCAA in Indianapolis, which nobody seems to have a problem with that. But the other criteria is one, you have to have a bachelor's degree, have graduated from college. Now, one notable agent... That's, sim- that's kind of a, 
complementary to the uh, the transfer rule, where you, the open transfer rule. Once you get your bachelor's degree, and if you have a year of eligibility left, you can transfer wherever you want, and not have to sit out a year. Yeah, I don't think it's that out of line for a college basketball organization to want these agents to have finished college. But anyways, it's become controversial because Rich Paul, who the agent for Clutch Sports, LeBron James' agent and good friend, doesn't have a bachelor's degree. And there's a sentiment around the league that, you know, they're intimidated by Rich Paul and Clutch and their influence or unhappy with the way Rich Paul and, by extension, LeBron James, or maybe the other way around, LeBron James and, by extension, Chris Paul, have asserted their influence and their power. And they represent a lot of players now, and they're getting a lot of high-profile players out of college. So this has been sort of dubbed on Twitter. LeBron tweeted about it, the Rich Paul rule, where they don't want another Rich Paul to come along. And they don't want Rich Paul, or it would maybe prevent Rich Paul from representing these college athletes next year. However, I think that's a little bit misguided. I don't really think that's what the NCAA was going for because this isn't an NBA. And, and I think that sentiment that maybe some of the other agents or people in the league are threatened by Rich Paul, that's the NBA, not the NCAA. I think they're trying to prevent different types of people from being agents, that somebody declares for the draft and he makes his uncle his agent or his AAU coach or some of these CD shoe runners. I think they're trying to prevent that. But it hasn't been interpreted that way online in the last day. Yeah, so he has John Wall, LeBron James, AD. He's got some pretty big clients, Ben Simmons. And they get more and more all the time. Yeah. So is Master P... Still oh. an agent? Jonah would know better than me. I... No. No? I mean, I think after he botched Ricky Williams' deal, I don't think he was really? an agent ever again. <laughs> Master was... P, who played for the Toronto Raptors in preseason in the NBA. <laughs> I actually worked for a couple of months for the Las Vegas Silver Bandits of the International Basketball League, and Master P was in the league. He owned a team, or it was partial owner of a team, <laughs> for the purpose of being a player for that team. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, right before I had, I had left the Las Vegas Sun, and it was before I had moved. I was coming to Buffalo, but I was kind of in between for a couple months. I did some some PR for uh, for this startup basketball league. It was it was wild, man. Yeah, Master P and everybody was – they thought he was going to help sell the league, so people were really kind of letting him do whatever he wanted to do. Master and, P. Uh, good times. A little bit of trivia here on Rich Paul. Chris, you want to guess who his first NBA client was? Because it wasn't LeBron James, even though they were friends and associates at the time. No. No. Well, no. No. I wouldn't even go back that far. Danny no Ferry. <clears throat> Not Danny Ferry. Johnny Flynn. Not Johnny Falls Flynn? Native. Yep. Oh, okay. kidding. Wow. That was his first client? You know what? Actually, I, I misspoke here. He wasn't his... He was in the early... He wasn't his NBA agent, but he represented him in a marketing deal and got him uh, some endorsements when he was playing in Minnesota. Oh, wow. But that is sort of the start of Rich Paul's career huh. that has become where he's maybe one of the most powerful agents in basketball right now. Yeah, I mean, he's or got a murderer's row of clients. I mean, he's got Draymond, too. So and Draymond's just got and a And not deal. just having clients. He gets things done for his clients. He got... Anthony Davis to the Lakers, which is what Anthony Davis wanted. It's what LeBron James yeah. wanted. But, I mean, that's kind of an issue right now, don't you think, with the NBA? I mean, the players are totally – the inmates are running the asylum in the NBA. Yeah. Teaming up. I don't have a problem with that. You don't have a problem with that? I think it's better than the alternative where the owners have all the power. I mean, you all do always, I think, kind of have to be aware of the balance. And yep. maybe the players – I think maybe you're out of balance a little too right far now. towards the yeah. players. 
But, you know, they, they call it the player empowerment era. And I don't think it's led to bad basketball or anything bad for the league. There's a lot of hand-wringing and pearl-clutching about it when it happens in the offseason. But then we get into the season and we don't see <laughs> yeah. these, like, terrible ramifications. The one thing is where I think if you were to have this imbalance, if you want to call it an imbalance, that in the National Basketball Association it can work better than the other leagues because there are only so many spots to go around on a basketball right. team where guys d- – Guys don't like to have too much overlap. I mean, like some of it's ego, or you know, uh, with Kyrie Irving, he didn't want to be under somebody's shadow. You know, there's this whole thing of a higher. They kind of set their own little hierarchy, and they get their little uh, groups together and and try to get onto a team. Is that I guess, yeah, you can only have so many guys conspire to end up on the same team or to go get this guy. That there should be at least enough talent to go around the other teams too right I mean maybe I'm wrong but well right it it is a bit of a problem for some of the smaller markets that can't keep their stars and the big stars are consolidating in bigger markets that's part of my issue with it I think so it was incredibly exciting free agent period in the NBA and the trades and you know all the the teaming up of guys and you know Westbrook everything was cool it was great I'm a hockey guy and if I can't, I can't look at it from the perspective of being a fan, but like Buffalo, if that whole mechanism was part of the NHL, the Sabres would be screwed, completely screwed, because I don't think that there's a an appetite for players to want to team up and we're, let's go to Buffalo. It just doesn't happen. They have a hard enough time getting players to come here. Whether fans want to believe it or not, that is the truth. Well, the guaranteed contracts make it darn near impossible anyway. I mean, there's not enough free agency movement. The teams are kind of locked mm-hmm. in. So that way you would have to start planning your – if you want to do a super team in hockey, let's say that there were enough players that got together uh, in Monaco over the summer <laughs> at the casino and they're sitting around the pool and they say, you know what, let's all go play for the same team. They would have to plan it out three years in advance. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They'd have to say, okay, and then they'd go to a team and then it would – you know. Who knows? I mean, you'd have to. T- a team the is going to have to. Players Association totally would be pissed re- because these guys probably wouldn't be getting market value, Not so they're, they're suppressing salaries. But doesn't the agents some of this aren't going to get their max earnings potential? It can happen. Tavares signing with the Maple Leafs isn't that a little bit similar? I think Tavares has a lot more. No, well, no, he's getting paid quite. He's getting heavily compensated. I mean. But there's more to it with him going to Toronto, too. There's sponsorship deals yeah. that aren't – it's like the Tom Brady deal, man. Right. I mean, Tom Brady can keep his salary low because he's making – he has revenue streams yeah. coming him left and right by right. being Sell Tom Brady. House if he But that's, that's yeah. what's going on in the NBA. That's why the L.A. and New York teams are preferred destinations, one of the reasons. Yeah. No, I think big powers are – or big markets are always going to have an advantage, not just because of the attraction of living there and, and you know, the luxury that comes with that, but I do – yeah, there's other and business opportunities. The great players want to play – the great players want to play True. alongside other great players yeah. instead of how maybe some of the fans want it to be where they're all spread around the league and it's, you know, balanced competition. I look at sports from that small market mentality, though, and it's probably just because of where I live. And I look at it and I just think that it's exciting, but, man, it sucks to, for the, yeah. you know, Sacramento Kings. Or, or Memphis, you know, know what I mean. And like, the Milwaukee well, Bucks are an outlier, but they've also sucked for 25 years. Sacramento. Yeah. Since like Terry Cummings left or whatever. Well, Sacramento came up for air. It had its gasp of mm-hmm. air in the late '90s. 
you know, when the Maloofs bought the team and tried to make it this hip thing and, you know, casino money was backing it and they had Chris Weber and Vlade Divac and white chocolate and uh, they got into the playoffs. Uh, But who knows? I mean, do we know that Milwaukee is going to be sustainable? I mean, this could be Milwaukee coming up for air for just a few seasons. But I think that's what it is. I do. So I don't know. I mean, that that rule, though, so we, we kind of dovetailed into this conversation based off this Rich Paul rule, but it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm just, I can't see it. I do, I do think that Adam Silver, I think, has a problem, and it's not the agents, you know, and again, that's not his policy of the while, it's an NCAA thing, but that is also a way to spin off into hockey, Tim, because we did talk about hockey a little bit. We you did. Want to get into the Sabres a little bit here for what, the last couple. Are of there is there anything to get into? Well, I before think we hit right the commercial now, break. Well, you're looking at a team right now that's actually over the salary cap. Right. And what I think is going to happen right now, so they're through. Linus Allmark resigning set them over the over the um, cap, so they're going to have to make a, a move of some kind. Mm. Yes, Allmark an and, adjustment. Um, yes, and they. It's not like they need to unload or anything. No, they have a lot of one way contracts on this roster. I think what's going to happen is you're going to enter mm. camp. You know, you don't have to make a decision before camp. But I think what the point that I wanted to make is, is that everyone's expecting a deal now. And that's human nature, especially with Sabres fans. They love deals. You love, you know. But Jason Botterill of the day was on a, a competing station talking about how he doesn't feel like he has to make a trade right now. He can go into the season and he has long-term IR that he can use. And, and Here, wait. Of, let's. I'm going to stop for a second. You call it competing station. I'm going to say WGR. And the reason I'm going to say it is because I know that there are internal memos that WGR is not allowed to say the words "the athletic." They are not. Yes. And what? this isn't this isn't an anecdotal. It's a, and it's not just GR. It's an intercom thing. Wow. But they they will say. In fact, Mike Russo had a big story just last week in which the Minnesota Wild fired its general manager after one season, and it's uh, called him Minnesota Wild reporter. Uh, Mike Russo, wow. not the Athletics. Mike Russo. So yeah, they have a thing where they try to they get cute with it. So I'm going to say, hey, I'm a lo- I'm going to say WGR. Okay, they, I was, they're I'm, not going to straight man. They're okay. not going to acknowledge yeah. the Athletic, but, but um, we, I will acknowledge WGR. They had Jason Botterill on today as as the flagship yeah. station of the Buffalo Sabers, as they do mm-hmm. they exist. Right? And, he, and he's basically saying that. So I think that it was um, enlightening to Sabers fans for them to hear Jason Botterill say. He doesn't have to make a trade right now. They've gone through scenarios and how to work the cap because that's like the popular opinion right now is like Ristolainen's gone or maybe um, we're going to waive Sabotka or whatever. Mm. You're, you know, he's basically saying we don't need to do anything right now. And um, so I just I thought that was interesting. And that's kind of your Sabres subject for the day is that maybe there isn't something coming that's imminent oh, wow. with a trade. Now, keep in mind, tomorrow... Hey, maybe they make a deal. You never know. But that's what he mm-hmm. said today. And I think that it kind of puts Sabres fans into a little bit of a tailspin. I'm not going to go down the path that I went down last week. If anyone wants to go in the archive and talk about me, maybe some of the comments I shared last week about Sabres fans and you know, <laughs> their delusions. Um, but yes, I think that that's kind of an interesting point. Um, Ristolainen could be here. There is a scenario where Ristolainen could be here and maybe Ralph Kruger works his magic with them and, you know. Some, there's these are these are things that we can talk about. As What's it your feel, Ristolainen? Stay his stay versus go percentages. I think Ristolainen wants to go. I think Ristolainen wants to go, and I think that Jason Botterill should probably accommodate him. But I also think that 
Ristolainen can still be a very usable player. He's nowhere near the negative asset that a lot of Sabres fans portray him to be. Been because a, of the way he's he's seen around the league. Been on a horrible team. Right. Been on a, a team that doesn't play defense very well in their own zone. And, and a lot of times he was victimized by the system that Phil Housley had him playing last year. Rasmus Ristolainen is also a guy that he can put up some offense for you, too. Let's not forget, you know, he gets he gets pounded on by fans because of his defensive shortcomings, sometimes his decision-making with the puck. Um, but, I mean, look at what they've had here, and it's a team sport, and that's where I, I appreciate analytics. It tells a story. doesn't tell the story. It tells a very bad story with Ristolainen. But does it tell the story, you know? So... To answer your question, um, I think that if he wants to go, Jason Botterill is going to help make that happen, but he knows that he should get a, an adequate return, and he's just not getting it right now. Good information, man. It's it's interesting to me because I still think he's a, a usable player. I really do you think do. everybody's oh, just going to line up on the same side of the ice at, at, on, on defense because they all have the same shot? <laughs> it's amazing. They, they all move. They're it's, just going to. Let the goaltender handle one of the from one of the circles out on in to they ain't getting over here. But you got to watch that side. <laughs> yeah, it's like or they're just gonna to... they're just gonna skate in circles like the uh, like the uh, yeah Eugene Levy. Hockey. It, oh, I was gonna say Eugene Levy who had two left feet. Or whatever. <laughs> 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 Best in show. All right, Tim Graham shows back after this with more on Sports Radio twelve seventy The Fan. Well, don't you I play my music in the sun. I'm a joker. This is the Tim Graham Show. Other than it's a the Tim Graham Show. Now on Sports Radio 1270, the fan. He was in for the drinks and the skirts, allegedly. <laughs> Jason, chasing drinks and skirts. Feel free to call in with your favorite Derek Roy story. <laughs> 270, 1270. And on the fans app. Free to download in the app the store. The Tim Graham Show. <laughs> Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270. The fan, little update from the conversation we were just having a little bit ago about Devin Singletary and how we're looking forward to seeing what he can do against an NFL defense that's trying to tackle him, which you don't really get in training camp. Marcel Luis Jock of ESPN, the new Rodak. Marcel Luis Rodak, the new and improved Rodak. <laughs> Marcel reported that. Uh, LaShawn McCoy will not play at all tomorrow. Mm. And then Frank Gore will not play next week against Carolina. So they're giving each guy a day off. So Devin Singletary then moves up to, I guess, based on this unofficial depth chart, two? he's now the number two back for both games. That's cool. Good. Yeah. So that's more reps for everybody. Good more reporting for, by Marcel. More reps for TJ Yeldon and uh, maybe Sonoris Perry even. I think Sonoris Perry Sp- makes the team because of the special, special teams, teams aspect yeah. of it. He doesn't need to be a running back on this team. He li- he wants to be. I mean, that's his goal. But uh, having a discussion with him uh, last week at training camp, and he, uh, you know, he's he's. I think he's making the team for special teams. But that doesn't mean what we were talking about was Madden ratings. 
and uh, it was not for a story. We were just making small talk. And I said, what do you, what do you look for? What's the first trait you like to look at? Is it, I thought, I guess, is it maybe hit power? He's like, no, man, it's all those running back traits. He doesn't special teams. He takes pride in it, but he's still a running back. Is it fair to say that, keep in mind, again, the extent of my knowledge about Devin Singletary is watching positive highlights, right? That's what they show usually on draft day or whatever. That's what you'd always see about C.J. Spiller. You didn't see the negative carries. Yeah, and there were a lot of them. You didn't see him dancing behind the line of scrimmage. Always trying to get to the outside, never go through the hole, yeah. Frustrating player. But So with Singletary, is it is it comparable— a fair is LaShawn McCoy a fair comparable for their cutting ability? Um, There's a big difference. Size. No, Devin Singletary, at least at this point, isn't a third down back. Okay. And catch many passes in college. I'm not sure about his pass blocking, but I, I'd venture a guess that's not one of his strengths. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I and think Sha- that LaShawn it- McCoy was, I think, a receiving threat and at Pitt and came into the league and was doing that right away. As a runner, what about as a runner? Is there a similar skill set, style, look? Yeah, there's an elusiveness there. And in the story that Matthew Fairburn and Joe Biscalia and I did for The Athletic that was posted today, it was about Devin Singletary and what he has at his disposal with two potential Hall of Famers, one surefire Hall of Famer and Frank Gore, mm-hmm. and LaShawn McCoy has a chance if he can put together two more solid seasons. Uh, to come in as a rookie and have those guys in your room uh, to learn from, to study from, to be on the field with, going through the same drills, uh, identifying things, uh, looking at the nuance that a coach can't tell you uh, because the coach isn't out there on the field with you. Um, they're all saying that you know this guy, he does things as a rookie that's really impressive. And I want to say it was Pat DeMarco, the, the fullback, saying – or no, I'm sorry, it was Jerry Hughes – uh, who told me that to see him set up his blocks, and a lot of times you have a rookie running back and it's jailbreak. You know, like, here I go, I'm out, try to keep up with me. But Singletary has the patience that you see that some players need to develop. Uh, he has the patience to wait for a blocker to get into position. All right, you pick that guy off. Now I'll get by. Now you pick that guy off, and I'll make, you know, the the way that you were able to That's see That's your Le'Veon ahead. Bell type of, like, he's like the most blatantly patient runner, right? Yeah. The way that you can see what's happening before it happens yeah. and allow the blockers to, to help you out rather than, I'm going to do this all myself, uh, which is what you see, you know, some running backs have trouble with. And it costs them. And even veterans, like LaShawn McCoy last year, he... He was, he was overthinking it. He was trying to do everything himself, and that's why he, like C.J. Spiller we were just discussing, had a lot of tackles behind the line of scrimmage uh, last year, You know, trying to not just not hit in the hole. And that's why uh, Chris Ivory became more of an effective running back. Chris Ivory was going to get— He was all about the hole. He was going to get three, three to four yards for you on every carry, whereas, yeah, McCoy might get 10, but he's going to need— seven carries to get to that one 10-yard yeah. game. I, I'm excited to see now in, in light of the, the report that you shared from uh, ESPN. I think it's great that you're going to see Singletary against the twos and maybe even ones instead of the Oh, third they're going to put him into those situations to get him the ball in space, I think that's you know, cool. screen like, passes, throw him right in all there. these different things. Yeah, I yeah. think that you're going you're gonna to want to see him. These are the times when you put <laughs> you do it with Matt Barkley and not Josh Allen. But put him out in situations and see if he identifies a blitz. The thing is, you don't get it much blitzing in preseason anyway, because the Colts don't want to show their week one or week two opponents. All right, this is what we're thinking. This is what yeah. we're, but there might be a standard, 
you know, uh, you know, just clean, you know, just uh, quintessential blitz. They're going to line maybe a defensive backup at the line of scrimmage and come after. Just to, it, it, we'll see what happens. Is there, is there an incumbent player from last year's team, or maybe even you know an acquisition that they made in the off season? Doesn't have to be an incumbent, I guess. That has to do something immediately in the game, maybe tomorrow or the next game, the first two preseason games. Is there someone that's hasn't looked right in camp, or is there someone already kind of on on the hot seat, so to speak? Well, and maybe that's not a fair question because we haven't seen them in games yet. Maybe that's not fair. No, it is fair uh, because you only get so many chances. And if you get down to the fourth preseason game and you haven't really gotten your look yet, then you're behind the eight ball anyway. Uh, just pulling up the depth chart here. Um, you know, there are receivers uh, mm-hmm. who are going to need to make the most of their opportunities. David Sills, uh, of course, uh, he's one of those guys. Cam Phillips, Isaiah McKenzie. Um, who looked he he was really good last year, wasn't he? He was, but they've really improved that position. You got to make room for guys like Andre Roberts, even though he's a kick returner, he still mm-hmm. is a he's a receiver by trade. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod has done better. Uh, uh, Zay Jones is a, a year older, and they're expecting more out of him. John Brown, of course, is added. Robert Foster showed what he can do when he stretches the field. So now we're already up to what six guys. Uh, Duke Williams, the guy signed out of the CFL. When he was signed, people were like, oh, look at this. There's a guy out of the CFL who's done really well. But we had Dave Naylor on the show, what was it, maybe a month and a half ago or two months ago, that said, I'll be surprised if he makes the team. Just because he was a really good receiver in the CFL, yeah. uh, Dave talked about the drops aspect of things. And Duke Williams really hasn't gotten much of a, a look from the practices that I've seen. It'll be interesting to see what kind of reps uh, he gets. Now, here's the thing, too. A guy who... You know, Shaq Lawson's going to need to do something this year, and but preseason games aren't necessarily when you see that out of edge rushers, um, necessarily. But he's so they didn't exercise his option. Is that right? That's right. So he's kind of okay. I think he's, he's probably a, not getting cut though. But he's a storyline. Like no, he's here. not. But I don't think we're going to learn much from say Trent Murphy and Shaq Lawson tomorrow or Jerry Hughes. I mean, these yeah. are guys who've been around a bit you know what you got um it's the first preseason game so uh i mean going into it so going into the game and i'm going to watch the game i'm excited to watch the receivers and i'm glad that that's kind of the position that you you focused on because i asked matt fairburn last week when he was on with us about foster and how's he doing and sills was another guy when they signed him as a free agent like i remember him from college as being a guy who just like caught a ton of balls and he was he was playmaker he scored touchdowns the other thing about receivers too and we're up against it but the other thing too is it's not just about getting on the field the quarterback's got to throw the ball to you so you may be the victim of circumstance as a receiver to say all right i'm on the field and here i go i might be the you know i might be on the field and late in the second quarter which is a good sign uh but i don't see the ball and isaiah mckenzie would be slot so like a Beasley type when he's playing? He, he did some of that last year. Yeah, I think well, somebody's going to – Cole Beasley's not going to play the whole game. So, yeah, we're going to see some different guys working into the slot. But When you talk about the quarterback, I don't – I'm not looking for Josh Allen to throw the deep ball. I'm looking for that. I'm looking yeah, for you're going to want to see him hit the running back. That's yes. where Devin Singletary comes in again. You want to get him the ball out in space. And I know he didn't catch the ball a ton, but, you know, you're going to want to see if you can find ways to get him the ball, uh, the, the short stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, tight ends tomorrow. I mean, the, these tight ends, because uh, Tyler Croft and Dawson Knox have been injured, 
you know, Lee Smith is not a, a catcher. Uh, he is a blocker. Sweeney, though. So, huh? yeah, you're looking at Sweeney, uh, Tobridge, uh, who I haven't liked hardly at all. Anytime I see him in, in camp, it looks like he's got a drop, a Jeez. bad drop. Um, so uh, Jason Kroom also, that's a, that's a third tight end that's been hurt. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight tight ends on this roster. So it's it's mop-up duty from the opening kickoff for these tight ends, you know, these guys, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting. All right. So we're going to hit, uh, hit the bricks here. Uh, thanks again to Chris Baker. I almost called you Chris Fairburn for some reason. I think just because you just yeah, mentioned Fairburn. I, I got red hair and a beard. Chris Baker <laughs> yes. at Sabres prospects. Follow him there for all your Sabres prospects, uh, needs and, uh, sarcasm on various fronts. Jonah Bronstein, as usual here, hand in thanks for Periscope. Uh, you can check out LeBronstein. Uh, Twitter account uh, for the Periscope feeds here and for all your scoops, really, not just updates, but scoops on local colleges and high schools, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Bobby, uh, I almost, what is it me with having a a lingering name? I was calling you Chris Fairburn. I almost called him Bobby Bronstein. Read off the television. Bobby Bobby Labani. (laughs) Bobby Rosati handling things, diddling the knobs for us. What a great show we had until I stumbled across. I didn't even hit the finish line. I stumbled three feet shy of the finish line, finishing an eighth eighth in my heat. I didn't hear you stumble. Kramer at the AIDS walk. I didn't hear you stumble at all. Thanks for having me, Tim. Always fun. We'll check you next week with Jonah Bronstein in the driver's seat while I'm at uh, Bill's Panthers joint practices on the what will be the Jonah Bronstein Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Phantom.